Hey guys, Tom Laird, voice of advice from a call center geek, CEO at Expedia. Hey, the podcast is brought to you by Expedia Interaction Marketing. We are a 600-seat call center outsourcer. I would love to talk to any of you looking to outsource any of your customer support or your sales functions, looking for political calling or, or just some extra overflow during the holiday season. If you are looking for any type of USA outsourcing support, hit me up. You guys know my LinkedIn. I'd love to talk. This is Advice from a Call Center Geek, a weekly podcast with a focus on all things call center. We'll cover it all from call center operations, hiring, culture, technology, and education. We're here to give you actionable items to improve the quality of yours and your customers' experience. This is an evolving industry with creative minds and ambitious people like this guy. Not only is his passion call center operations, but he's our host. He's the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing Group and the call center geek himself, Tom Laird. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Advice from a Call Center Geek, the Call Center and Contact Center podcast. We try to give you some actionable items to take back in your contact center, improve the overall center, improve the agent engagement, hopefully improve the customer experience as well. My name is Tom Laird. I am the CEO of Expedia Interaction Marketing. Expedia is a rapidly growing 500, 600 seat uh, call center outsourcer located here in, in Pennsylvania. How's everybody doing? Uh, thank you again for joining. I'm going to get right into today's episode. I think we have a ton to cover. I have had a lot of you guys text me, email me, talk about you know more technology, getting into AI, conversational AI, and also talk about more sales, right? We're, we're very customer service oriented. So I think today, um, we're going to kind of hit uh, both those out of the park. So with us today is is Craig Daly and Craig Peeler, who are the CRO and the CEO of Actify, which is a conversational AI organization. Um, so Craig's, I'm going to just kind of throw it to you guys. Maybe if you want to do a quick intro, talk about Actify a little bit, and, and we'll get into kind of a, a, an overall conversational AI uh, conversation. Excellent. Well, thanks, Tom, for having us on the show. Uh, I'll just start with a little bit of my background. I uh, came up as a media producer. I started life as an audio engineer, and that turned into an event marketing software platform. We started getting into AI, and I saw the power of it manifest itself there. And then I saw an even bigger opportunity applying a lot of what we had learned driving ticket sales and what we could do with AI to sales funnels. And so uh, a couple of years ago, I started Actify, and we were plugging along, and we got a couple of good strategic deals. And then just recently we brought on Craig Daly and he's doing everything we used to do times 10 and it's just really starting right. to catch on fire. So really excited to be on the show because I think it's highly relevant uh, to the, the audience you have and, and the solutions you're providing to, to the industry. Echoing his sentiment, Tom, thanks for having us. I, uh, my name is Craig Daly, our chief revenue officer. I spent the last 10 years within some SaaS companies, uh, taking them from you know small single million dollar digit revenue numbers to some of these these larger billion dollar acquisitions. But they've been heavily focused in consumer experience, uh, most notably is a group called Qualtrics and then my last company, Podium. But they were hyper focused on a lot of the interactions and trying to drive great experiences. And when I linked up with Craig it, and he kind of conveyed what they were doing with conversation AI, excuse me, conversation AI, it played exactly into what we were always trying to solve for. So a really good marriage there. Yeah. And can you guys talk about that? I mean, in our kind of our pre-calls, you're, you know, the website and, and the product that you have is, is really cool. Just maybe just give a quick kind of once over on, on what you guys do, the problem that you're trying to solve um, and, and how you're, how you guys are kind of really focused on using AI. Yeah, there's two sides. I'll cover half of it and we'll 
have daily cover the other half. But uh, I think of it from the consumer standpoint, uh, that that customer experience, that customer journey, I think uh, of a lot of very frustrating experiences I've had when I've tried to get a hold of somebody, I'm ready to buy a product and just the phone tag, the back and forth, uh, whether it's customer service or, or sales or whatever, it's a very frustrating experience for a consumer. And that's where I wanted to apply a lot of the attendee philosophies that we applied to event marketing and event registration, check-in, all those things I think apply to what we're doing with sales. But the other side is what we're doing for call centers. And yeah. And I very much see it through the business lens. I look at it's impeccable or it's, it's critical for these organizations to drive really strong experiences. But how do you do that at mass scale when there's millions of conversations at once? There's so many voice of the customer programs and initiatives around mm-hmm. the experience itself. Um, but doing that in a, in a truly massive scale, like a lot of these fortune call centers have, is a really hard challenge. I think that's where this is, there's this interesting crossroad of conversational AI to solve for it. No, that's that's awesome. And, and I think that that's a good lead into kind of the first question or, or, or some of the things that I'm really interested in. And I think the audience will be interested in is is where do you guys see, you know, AI right now and, and specifically, I guess, you know, building on the conversational AI structure. Um, and then, you know, can you kind of talk about that in, in one bucket and then and maybe get into kind of the sales process or, or how you see AI kind of helping to solve that problem? But kind of give your overall of kind of where do you see the, the, the technology right now? Yeah, when I was looking at the industry, I saw people talking about AI. It's kind of a, a fast and loose term. Uh, people were throwing around everywhere. Oh, we got AI. We're AI-driven sales. But when you dig in, it was usually they were using AI for some type of analysis. It wasn't really doing the work. It was just helping people quantify the work mm-hmm. or even in some cases qualify. Right? There's a lot of AI that would help provide some insights on reporting of how many calls you had that were, you know, closes versus just interest calls. Uh, there's one that talks about being able to replicate your, your closers and what that, you know, at one point I thought, Oh, wow, they're actually going to use AI to drive the sales. But what they actually do is just report metrics on what's working with their top closers and then try to help use that as curriculum for their other uh, sales executives. And so I wasn't seeing a lot of AI being used in the conversations when we started. Uh, in, in 2017, we're kind of looking at the landscape. There was not a lot happening there. There were some chatbots. Um, I would describe chatbots as basic, you know, choose your own adventure stories where there's kind of pre-scripted uh, stories and you just kind of choose what page you jump to in that story. But it's not really intelligent conversation. It's just kind of a, a narrative that's prescribed and using some basic logic trees helps you navigate it. But usually, if you've interacted with a, a chatbot, you feel like you're being pushed aside and you get a very impersonal conversation. Our goal with Actify was to do the exact opposite of that. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say as far as how it powers sales teams, there's so much time spent, at least in most call centers, the sales team is spending 40% of their time literally just in outreach. And it's usually the mundane processes that they're not really hired to do. As a salesperson, your entire goal, if you boil it all down, really is to, to influence. Uh, and your ability to influence is going to be more in a human interaction. So they're still very pivotal in that in that interaction. But I think AI has been definitely incorporated to automating a lot of the outreach, a lot of the activities that right now we're spending our time on. Um, it, it, it'd be the equivalent of going to like construction you know, lot and seeing the workers actually use hand tools to screw in screwdrivers, right? You can use a yeah, drill exactly. today. But yeah. commonly, we, we, we see these processes being manually done in call centers. It's just something that's been overdone and, and broken for a long time. No, I, I, can, <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Um, and, and 
you know, I think one of the other, you know, very interesting things, and, and maybe you guys can talk specifically to you guys, obviously not talk about anything too proprietary, uh, but but can you talk about, I think it's really interesting, you know, the tech stack that you're using or, you know, what are some of the back end, you know, technologies that you're using to incorporate this, this kind of UX UI that, that, you know, isn't just a chatbot, you know, going down basically kind of an IVR road, right? Um, and, and I want to talk about the UX UI as well, but if can you guys just kind of, you know, at, at a high level, kind of talk about how you're doing, what you're doing? Yeah, and I'll even go one level higher than that. Uh, in 2007, I had a company that was directly trying to create positive experiences between brands and consumers, and we were doing it through different interactions of apps and you know websites and things like that. Um, but really, if we tried to start Actify back in you know, the early 2000s or even 2015, it would not have worked uh, for the same reason that an AI uh, EV uh, company wouldn't exist in 2014. There just wasn't enough technology yet in the AI space to drive a car without a human. We're now on the cusp of when it's actually viable to do that. Um, and I would say the same thing for conversational AI. Uh, there were a lot of things that had to be released from Google and Facebook and and Amazon and a lot of other you know, thought leaders in the space in order to create kind of the foundation of what we've built here at Actify. And those products were released in 2017, 2018. And so if we had started ahead of that, the, re- the results of what we're driving would not have been attainable. Right. Uh, so that's the first way to kind of think of it is that we do use some things out of um, open source code coming out of mm-hmm. you know, the, the major AI thought leaders. We take that and then we wrap our own uh, thought process around it, our own what we call collective intelligence which is our data science team working with machine learning engineers, working with research experts. Uh, we have four PhDs on our team that dig into the neuroscience, the linguistics, the emotional response of the consumer. And that all feeds into what we think of as our expert knowledge base, which filters up into the conversations. And so, uh, you know, we're using the, the things that we can from the, the market. I have a philosophy that, you know, don't build something that already exists because you're not creating new value when you do that, you know, to create just a, another hammer to use, uh, the analogy earlier, you know, another hammer or another wrench or another screwdriver uh, isn't adding new value to the market. But if we can find a new way to accomplish that with new practices, new philosophies, new disciplines, you start to create new value. So we take things we can from Facebook and Google uh, in a very, you know, approved format, whether it's licensed or open source. And then we add our own layer. Uh, Everything we build is on a Lambda architecture. um, And we, we build up from there. Can I just not to interrupt you, but can I ask you then? You know how how are you guys? So when when you take the the machine learning, when you take kind of this this AI, wrap it around your kind of proprietary thought process. How is it different, right, than what you kind of you know talked about with with that that chatbot that's just kind of doing the the pick a path? Um, can you just kind of differentiate? You know those. Yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. So it's a totally different approach. With the chatbot, you basically write uh, pre scripted responses. And now all you're trying to do is match a response to a question or an inquiry Mm -hmm. of some kind that came in from the the prospect. What we actually do is compose all of our responses on the the fly. So we have linguistical experts who can take a sentence and figure out a thousand ways you can say that. um, And then we respond accordingly based off of the intent. So everything we do is based off intents. And so we have a, a team of what we call NLU or natural language understanding analysts that take all of the inbound texts from the prospects and we map those to intents. And then the system replies back with a, a scripting on the fly of a way to respond to that intent and satisfy the question. Uh, we're now working on multi-intent where, you know, if you are having a text conversation between two humans, it's not 
uncommon for a human to have three or four intents in one block of text. And so we have to pick that apart, analyze it, and understand how to respond with two or three responses to those intents intelligently. And so uh, that would stump any chatbot. If you don't believe me, try asking Siri, um, you know, what's the weather in Detroit? Should I wear a jacket? And uh, what color poncho should I wear? And I guarantee you the response will be less than what you would expect. Right, right, right. And so right. Um, it's, it's hard to add, you know, ask those multi-loaded questions, whereas um, our system, uh, which we affectionately name DOT, uh, okay. short for Dorothy, but dot, uh, is our virtual agent that is learning more and more every day about how to respond to those multiple multi-intents. And for you guys, and I probably should have kind of prefaced this. So you guys are, are focusing right now on the, on the sales aspect, focusing and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, especially in the, in the SMS and the texting, right, right. That, that type of, uh, of interaction is it, that's kind of where we're, where you guys are, are playing mm-hmm. correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, real quick, before I get into something, can you, can you guys, I think another thing that that's really interesting to me, be very interesting to listeners is, is kind of all the time, you know, kind of put into the UX UI, right? And again, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but I think, you know, that's always been the, right. That's the breakup right now with, with what's going on. And I think with some of the things that you talked about, just from a testing standpoint, or I think it'd be very interesting to how you guys kind of say, Hey, that, that works, that's good. Or this doesn't work is, can you just, you know, briefly kind of talk about that? Yeah. Just a commentary on UX. Uh, I believe the best technology is as close to invisible as possible, which might sound counterintuitive. Usually think, Oh, technology, that means a big, you know, 80 inch flat screen TV or awesome surround sound system. You know, you want to kind of show off this awesome technology you have. Back in the 80s, you know, I thought it was cool when my brother came home with the, you know, eight component, you know, he could play right. from cassette tapes to eight tracks to vinyls to CDs. And it was like amazing, right? More components meant awesome, right? More awesome, more, more impressive. But today you look at these flat screen devices that are almost, you know, there's no, almost no buttons anymore. And it's just this flat piece of glass that can do all the things that, you know, we used to be able to do with camcorders and, and cameras and, Walkman and everything else, it's all in one device. And so I think, you know, smartphones have kind of got us accustomed to making things more and more invisible and just more, uh, uh, you know, it's adapting more to us. But in a similar fashion, if you think of like Amazon, if you were to place an order on Amazon, that package just shows up on your doorstep tomorrow. You don't think about all of the robots, all of the logistics, all of the vehicles that it took to get that package from a, a button tap on your smartphone to your doorstep. And right. in the same way, uh, we don't really want the consumer to have to think about all of the intelligence behind the scenes, you know, not, not to pull levers and push buttons to have a conversation. They're just conversing like they would with a human. And we're trying to get as close to that human to human interaction as possible by making the technology do all the hef- heavy lifting. And, and let's, let's talk about that for, for a second or two. And again, if you guys don't use this term, I know I was talking to, to you guys in our pre and you guys were, were talking about garbage leads, right. Or, you know, the leads that, you know, in a sales contact center, um, you know, they're not converting, they're not, they can't get a hold of, there's no, there's no connection. Um, so you guys basically in your process would take these kind of quote unquote garbage leads and, and have kind of the, the AI do the talking for it, right. And, and try to generate the, the kind of the warm lead or, or the, the next interaction with it, with the human. Is that, that's kind of yeah, like how yeah. you guys, yep. did I sum that up, uh, relatively okay. You did. <laughs> All right. So a couple of things come to mind with this is number one is, you know, in my contact center, we obviously we do some outbound, um, you know, when it comes to cell phones and SMS, there's obviously compliance issues. 
Um, so a twofold question, number one, is, is how do you guys talk to, to your clients, your customers about you're making sure that obviously you're, you're, you're meeting all the compliance goals? And, and I guess the, the next question is, are there things that, you know, we should be thinking of the industry, myself, other contact centers, you know, to kind of plan for what's coming, right, to make sure that, you know, we're ahead of the game when it comes to, 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 to compliance for using the, the, this type of technology? Yeah, no question. I mean, there's some basics, and I'll let Craig add some in here, but I, I think about, about it through the lens of defensibility. Um, do you actually have true consent from these consumers to be able to have these communications? Um, have they opted in? Um, and we do some pretty vigorous testing and, and vetting of even the clients that we choose to work with to ensure that we're not uh, bringing in leads or lists into our system and ingesting those that haven't properly had the authorization and uh, have essentially opted in for communication. So obviously with TCPA, there's certain regulations and guidelines that have to be abided by by the clients we support, but from a vendor standpoint as well, um, we have our agreements and our business associates agreements to ensure, hey, we are, we are going to maintain uh, this kind of quality and, and caliber of client. And that means that they've actually received a, an opt-in, one that is notated somewhere, um, ideally on their website or in some kind of system to ensure that in an occasion we needed to pull that, uh, they would have a certifiable record that, you know, Tom actually did say, I'm interested in these services and I'm agreeing specifically to the SMS communications or other communication methods. And is there, is there other things that we should be looking at, you know, when we are doing lead gen campaigns? I mean, obviously, you know, we want our forms to to say specific things, but, you know, is, can you give any kind of credence to how that would help with that? Yeah, we, uh, we recommend language that anybody should put on their website if you're creating new leads from your own website and people are opting in. Uh, we, we give recommendations on how you should phrase that so that you're in the clear to send texts and make phone calls to that number. At, at a high level, I'd say it's never going to be illegal for a business to reply to an interested customer. Because if that's the case, you won't be able to order a pizza, right? You've got to be able to make a phone call or send a message or fill out a form online and be able to get correspondence back from that business saying your pizza's ready or, you know, we have a quote for you on your life insurance policy. There has to be a way for them to communicate with you. What the government is trying to do is protect you from being hounded, right? Nobody wants calls from unsolicited uh, inquiries, right? Nobody wants to have solicitors knocking on their door unless they invited them over, right? And so that's the goal is to get back to that essence. Um, and if somebody is opting in um, and allowing the brand that we work with, you know, whether it's a smart home company or an insurance company, as long as they give express written consent uh, for that company to reach out and text or call uh, in response to their inquiry, then we're in the clear. And so that's, that's the thing we want to protect. Now, what uh, Craig Daly also spoke about here was just the ability that we can uh, even go back a, a level deeper to scrub the list. So we run a, a query against the known litigators database. We run against the do not call, do not contact database. Um, we also look for anything that looks fraudulent. So whether someone just you know did a keyboard mash of letters for their email address, or they scrambled some phone number in there, uh, we can detect that using AI. So we actually do all that list cleansing as a pre-step uh, using AI as well. And we're able to filter out about 20% of the bogus leads before they ever come into our system. Yeah, that's a huge value add just right there. That's, that's so, yeah. pretty awesome. We've actually had uh, TCPA lawyers recommend Actify to their clients as a way to protect them from future lawsuits that they're getting, you know, independent of Actify. 
No, very, very cool. That's, you know, and it's, it's, <laughs> you can't really mess around with that. So it's, it's awesome that you guys have really have taken it that serious. Let's talk about kind of high level, um, maybe even outside of Actify and, and where do you guys see, you know, that this, you know, everybody has their own opinion on, on conversational AI, right. And, and, you know, Google, when Google was it two or three years ago and they did their, you know, calling the, the hairstylist, right. And, and having that full conversation, you know, where do you see, um, I don't know, maybe say the next couple of years and then, you know, future, you know, th- from this AI standpoint, and you guys live, eat and breathe this technology every single day. I mean, where are we going with it? Um, because again, people are say we're there now, which obviously I think we're in agreement that we're not, um, but we're, we're getting better. Um, but where do you see kind of the end game with this? From, from my perspective, uh, the reason I'm excited about Actify and the reason I started in the first place is because when I'm 60 years old and having to interface with my doctor, I want it to be a better experience than it is today. I think, you know, we're moving to a situation where a lot of people are more comfortable texting than they are talking on the phone. And you know, just the back and forth you have to do to try to schedule a doctor's appointment or get a quote on your insurance. It's very frustrating. And I personally want to have a better future when I'm in my retirement years. I don't want to be dealing with call centers uh, that are off, offshore or, you know, B-grade talent in a call center somewhere that just gives me attitude. I would rather talk to a highly likable machine that is much more uh, contextually knowledgeable, uh, more pleasant, more responsive, more dependable than a human. And I believe we can get there. And just like people who, you know, nobody wanted to really go uh, plant crops and harvest them anymore. We now have tractors that do that. Um, I think a lot of these lower tier jobs get replaced by machines. And that's all we're talking about here. We're, it's just our machines are getting more advanced, but I actually don't believe they replace jobs. They just move human jobs up the food chain and allow us to have a more pleasant lifestyle where we can have podcasts and talk like this as opposed to be working, you know, in a sweaty job in a dirt field somewhere. In, in, in kind of the short term, though, I mean, I know we talked a little bit more on, you know, or, or talked of kind of the agent empowerment versus the agent kind of takeover. Right. Um, and I agree with you. I think, you know, if we if we want to talk and I don't know, maybe even 10 years is it's a it's a shorter term than that. Um, I, I hear you. And, and I kind of agree with with kind of what you're you're saying when it comes to the short term. I think this agent empowerment and what you guys are kind of doing with, with that, and even on the customer service side with agent assist and, and those types of things. Um, can you kind of just, you know, kind of maybe talk a little bit about that and, and kind of how you see the now, right? And, 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 and what, what, what kind of technologies are, or, or how we're helping to, to empower instead of really take over. Cause it's just not there yet. Yeah. And maybe even to speak about it from the clients that approach us, Tom, they're, they're very interested in keeping their staff there. They literally just want to make it more efficient. Going back to the construction metaphor, they just want to give everybody drills as to speed up the work and allow for more work to be done. Um, and to Craig's earlier point, as a as a sales rep, we want to be on the phone uh, helping you know potential prospects become customers and influence those conversations and not do the nitty gritty uh, activities to actually generate those conversations. So with uh, you know several of our clients again that nearly half the, the individual's time is being spent on that outreach and then uh, we we're literally shrinking that in half and qualifying a lot of the or, or scrubbing a lot of these these prospects these garbage leads into qualified conversations and then routing them to the organizations and and allowing the the sales reps to do exactly that uh, but we very much live in the empowerment camp today and do see that happening here in the in the foreseeable future and how do we just magnify the effectiveness of an individual, whether it's service, sales, 
um, and, and then disqualify or answer if we can just some of the frequently asked questions where a human truly isn't necessary. Do you guys see your business or do you see a, a shift in, in a lot of maybe conversational AI companies that are, are starting with, you know, this is kind of the, the what we want to solve, the problem we want to solve, but the technology is so badass, right? It's awesome. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's just, and it's all encompassing. I mean, do you see, you know, a roadmap with you guys getting into customer service and customer support and, and those types of, of things? Definitely. hundred percent. Yeah. We get dragged into it already and obviously we, we love it. Um, but that, yeah, I mean, the power of AI is exactly that. Uh, how, what else can this do? How else can it converse and solve, you know, different inefficiencies along the process of the client communication. And uh, as every call center geek knows, there's hundreds of opportunities to improve processes there. Do you have any hardcore numbers, um, like like conversion numbers or, or I mean, anything you'd want to share with with maybe a quick case study or something on, on how things have, have, have you helped in, in the what, what the power that this thing has? Yeah, and it's relevant to the comment that's been talked about a little bit here, garbage leads. So I actually think that's a little bit of a wrong way to think about it. There are garbage leads, right? There, there are definitely leads that are like keyboard mashed, made up phone numbers, People that are just trying to, you know, catch you and sue you. Those are garbage leads. But I, I had this belief just from seeing event uh, interest and those who actually ended up buying a ticket. It's not that the others weren't interested in the event. It's just they didn't line up with their timing, with their communication pattern, uh, whether they were available that night, whether they get, you know, a babysitter lined up or they could get a date. Right. There's a lot of reasons why people don't end up buying a ticket to an event they are, in fact, interested in. And so when I saw one of our clients. Um, they, I saw, I saw a report on Salesforce.com on their blog that showed that 87% of leads went to waste. And what they meant is that 87% of leads never got on the phone. And Salesforce was reporting this kind of, oh, this is the status quo. This is acceptable. If you're in this realm, you're doing okay. And like that was like haunting to me. Like we have an entire industry that that's okay with an 87% fail rate. And I called one of our clients up and I said, hey, is this true? Do you guys really have 87% of your leads never getting on the phone with one of your reps? And I said, actually, we wish you were that good. We have about 96%. And you know, what struck my, struck my mind at that time was um, in marketing, we used to always say, oh, 50% of your marketing budget is going to waste. You just, you just don't know which 50%. But in this case, 96% of your marketing lead gen budget is going to waste. You just don't know which 96%, which is crazy. I mean, it's just crazy that that's even that there's a business built on a 4% success rate. But this is a successful you know, multi-billion dollar business that was living off of that 4%. And early on, I said, well, why don't I see what I can do? Just send me some of those quote unquote garbage leads or those stalled leads and let me see what I can do. And early on, they're paying us a flat $5,000 a month. And they said, no, this isn't really working. And it's because we're giving them back these revived leads and saying, hey, these are the ones that are still interested in. Just call them up. They still couldn't get them on the phone. And what I realized at that point was it's because all they knew how to do was call. They just kept pounding them with phone calls. And when they didn't answer, they threw it out as a garbage lead. And so... Uh, that's where I said, well, you know what, why don't we do it on performance? What is this worth to you every time that we, we deliver a conversation that ends up buying? And they, they kind of backed in the numbers and we landed at $650. And at $650, every time they closed a deal, uh, they were happy to pay us if we would take a lead out of what they would think of as a waste back basket or a yeah. dead lead and bring it back and turn it into a live call. Well, we have revived more than $34 million in new revenue for that business. So $34 million by moving that 96% fail rate to like a 92% fail rate, right? right? And we recovered another you know, 30 million plus uh, for them. So that's just one example, but that's where I don't believe it was ever really a closer problem. It wasn't a sales problem. In my mind, it was a connection problem. You just were not connecting with these prospects on their terms. 
And that's why they were thrown out as garbage leads. Yeah. And I think to your point too, there's so much going on now, even on the outbound world, right. With, you know, with people blocking things and with, uh, just, you know, when, when your reps are calling and, you know, we have those discussions all the time on specific kind of right algorithms that you kind of say of how many times you're calling and when. So, you know, for you guys to kind of take that to, you know, 10 times kind of the, 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 the quote unquote algorithm that, you know, a, a normal call center is trying to do to, to, to contact reps. I think it, it's and it's just the beginning. I think that's the most fascinating thing, right? I mean, you guys are doing this right now with where AI is from from that standpoint and and showing those results. I mean, what's going to happen in you know three, four, five, six years? Um, that's that's pretty exciting. Um, and, Absolutely, and really, I think to tie in the the customer support and, and those types of things into it too. That should be a you guys got a lot of work. It should be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Need your help. Well, guys, hey, I appreciate it. Um, before we go, do you want to just, you know, maybe talk to the audience, tell, you know, you guys are definite for sure need to be followed, guys, um, with with all the things that you're doing. So, you know, whether it's LinkedIn or Twitter, um, you know, let people know kind of where they can they can get a hold of you and, and follow you. And, um, you know, hopefully we can build that up, too. Excellent. Yeah, I'm just on LinkedIn, just Craig Peeler, K-R-E-G-P-E-E-L-E-R. And mine's Craig Daly, C-R-A-I-G-D-A-L-Y. And then our company name, Actify, is, as you can see there, spelled on Craig's shirt and dot behind us, A-K-T-I-F-Y. And the, the website just actify.com, correct? Yes, it is. Yep. Okay. Well, hey, guys, thank you very much. I mean, I think that that's, uh, you know, not only, you know, really getting into the technology and the things that you're doing, but kind of having that conversation on the, the state of the industry um, I think is, is very helpful to a lot of people who are listening here. I know that there's a ton of interest in what you guys are doing and, and what that, that piece of the, the call center industry is doing. So again, I, I really do appreciate it. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see what, uh, what you guys are going to peel off here in the, in the future. No, no, no pun there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Tom, and appreciate what you're doing for the industry. And we love to optimize. So any of the, the call centers out there, let us know how we can help you optimize your process and recapture some of that lost revenue. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, thank you. Tom.